Well, good evening. How are y'all doing? I'm good. So we asked uh, a while back on Easter, we kind of did a survey, and we're like, what are some things that you would like to learn about? What would you like to be taught on? And um, so a lot of those uh, we would put in series like, oh, man, the majority of the people in here were like, we want to hear more about the Holy Spirit. We want to learn about the Holy Spirit. So we just did a five-week series on the Holy Spirit. Um, And a couple other things we've been able to put into series. But uh, for the ones that we haven't been able to, we kind of compacted this. You asked for it. Here's four topics that you would like to learn about. Um, and that we would like to teach you. Uh, The number one thing that people wanted to learn about was spiritual warfare. Uh, I was actually shocked. I really thought, like, sharing my faith would be number one, and it was, like, not at all. But anyways, I was like, but I thought about it. The reason why, you know, people checked that box is for several different reasons. One, uh, they know it's real, they're going through it, and they're having a hard time conquering it. Or they've heard about it, uh, but they don't know much about it, and they'd like to know much about it. And so there's several people out there, or there are people who are kind of like a baby with a blanket and who's playing peekaboo. You know, you put a blanket over a baby. Anything they can't see means it's not reality. And so a lot of people put the, the blanket over their eyes, and they're like, ah. I don't think anything spiritual is real because I can't see it and I'm not looking for it. And so we wanted to come, and I think it's, oh my goodness, I'm going to tell you, I think this is a timely message. One thing that me and Jason try to do is be led by the Spirit. We're not going to do things just because um, in, October, in November all the churches are doing this or whatever, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But we really just want to be led by the Holy Spirit and to bring forth things that you would like to hear. So with that said, let's talk about the spiritual realm. God, thank you so much for this day. I'm nothing without you. So I ask that you come into this place or that you open up my mouth and you speak to your people. God, you know what's going on in in each person's lives in this room. And you know what needs to be said to help them through what's going on. So I ask that you use me as a vessel right now to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we can't put a blanket over our head because, well, there is a spiritual realm, okay? It's, the Bible is so incredibly clear that it exists, all right? So you can say all day, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. Well, you know, in Genesis 16, an angel revealed himself to Hagar. In Genesis 18, a heavenly messenger appears to Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis 22, Jacob wrestles with a heavenly being. In Exodus 3, God reveals himself in a burning bush. In Judges 6, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. In Judges 13, an angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah encounters God on a mountain. In 2 Kings 6, the heavenly armies are revealed to Elisha's servant. And I... Uh, I Did I say, oh yeah, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah had a vision of heavenly realms and the angels around the throne. Daniel 6, there was a fourth man in the fire. In Daniel 10, a heavenly messenger reveals future realities to Daniel. In Luke 1, a heavenly messenger reveals himself to Zacharias, Mary, and Joseph. In Luke 2, a heavenly host appeared to the shepherds. In Matthew 28, a 
heavenly angels appear to the women at the tomb. In Acts 1, a heavenly messenger appears to say, stop looking for Jesus. He isn't there. In Acts 10, an angel appears to Cornelius at the same time that God's physically giving Peter a vision uh, with a heavenly being. In Revelations, John also has a vision of the heavenly realm with the angels around the throne. And throughout the gospels, demonic spirits are cast out. Jesus is physically tempted by Satan himself. So all that to say, there is a spiritual realm, okay? It does exist, all right? Uh, if you don't believe me, just read the Bible, okay? It's there. And so um, that really has nothing to do with my message except for the fact that there is a supernatural. And I wanna start off that with a basis of saying, hey, I know this is a weird subject, especially if this is your first time here. You're like, ah, what? What, what day did I come on? Well, we've kind of been talking about the Holy Spirit for quite a bit. And so if you wanna go back on those messages and kind of lead up to this one with that, you can. But the, the truth is, is most of us are uncomfortable when we talk about the supernatural. And the reason why is because it's not natural. It's not natural. And so anything not natural can be very scary. Uh, watch a horror flick, okay? <laughs> it will scare you really bad. Anything that is in the supernatural will scare you. But the truth is, is we got to talk about it because there is a spiritual war for your life for you and against you going on and you need to know how to stand and how to fight and how to be a part of that and come out victorious and step into the victory that Jesus Christ himself has already won for us. And so we need to do that. So um, the spiritual warfare can, come, can manifest itself in different, uh, different ways, okay? So it can physically manifest in your face. Now, this doesn't really happen often in America, um, but you do see it more often in other countries where, you know, uh, witch doctors and people who kind of delve more into the spiritual thing, they're more open for it. They, uh, they like want it and experience it more. They see things. Uh, Jason had a friend call other day. He, uh, he's in the military. He's from America. He got saved um, and um, kind of was one of those that put a blanket over his head to the spiritual realm. Not that he just didn't want to, it just kind of was like, eh, you know. Eh. And he got stationed in Africa. And he saw some things. And he was like, he calls Jason, he says, all right, I saw some things. And now I got questions, and I need you to answer these questions for me because I saw something because the, the uh, demonic presence there was so open. Here in America, it's very mass. That's why a lot of you are looking at me like, what? Why are you talking about this? This is so crazy. What is she talking about? It comes in a lot of forms here, religion, inclusion, pride, arrogance, corruption, all that kind of stuff. And though I feel like, and weirdly excited about this, Okay, don't judge me. I'll explain myself. Is that he is becoming unmasked here. And I'm a little bit excited because we Christians won't stand back and act like in our bubbles going, oh, it doesn't exist. We have no strength. You know what I'm saying? Well, actually, we're like, whoa. But if you grew up in a home that, you know, dabbled in, maybe your parents dabbled in witchcraft or the occult, you may be actually, you're like, it's not mass for me. I've seen it a lot of times. Jason's pastor, uh, he told me this story. One of his, uh, pa his intern pastors, uh, when she was a little girl, 
uh, she went to a home that devil, like, like was really into uh, spiritualness, um, not on the God side of it. Uh, and um, her friend got out a Ouija board. And because they like, they really conjured this stuff up, it like, it started freaking out and she started freaking out and she took off running and the thing, the little triangle thing or whatever it is, lifted up and chased her and smacked into the wall. And she was like, I'm never going back to the house again. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So that stuff is crazy. Y'all looking at me like, that's crazy. That really happened. Sometimes spiritual war warfare is not so prevalent. It's not so like, oh, look, there's an angel in front of my face. And there's a manifestation of demonic in front of my face. Like, you're, you don't see that. Maybe it is... Um, a person being used to sabotage what God has spoken into your life. And they take exactly what God spoke over you and they kind of reverse it. Okay, that is a form of spiritual warfare. Uh, maybe it's, uh, it helps you put you in a place where you begin to question yourself. Maybe you're going to question God and the, the ability that you're even loved or cared for. Um, that is a form of, uh, the, if the enemy can get you complacent, uh, he's winning. So it's not about, I don't think he really cares whether you go to heaven or hell. He just wants to make sure you're not doing anything else um, for the kingdom of God. Um, I, I watched this video. It, it was really cool. It was about this girl who, uh, she went on a mission trip, and she spoke fluent French. And she kind of wanted to go to another country because she felt like if God really wanted her to do it, it had to be difficult, you know, which is like dumb. But anyways, um, but I've been there. I felt, I feel what she was saying. And so she didn't want to go to this country because she felt like, oh, it's going to be so easy. I speak French. Like there won't be any difficulties of it. It'll just be so easy. But she really felt like as things lined up that God was really leading her there. Well, when she gets there, she begins to just really feel like, oh man, like I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not good enough to be here. Um, and she just started getting all these mind games and things that she wasn't sharing with people, but just like as they would go door to door sharing the gospel with people in this country, um, she would just leave feeling like really discouraged, like, God, am I, I should go home. Like, why am I even here? And she said in her video that she was on a bus and a stranger says her name. And she was like, uh, excuse me? And she's like, "Do you? Are, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And she goes, yes, it is. And she begins to talk to this woman about, like, she's like, oh, here's my chance. I'm going to talk to this woman about the gospel. And the woman goes, well, it's not. And you're not saved. And you're not supposed to be here. You need to go home. And then she starts to talk about this girl's family and things that are going on in this woman's family that no one else should know. And all the discouragement that she had been feeling just, it just was like on her. And she got off the bus and the missionaries that were with her were like, no, that ain't right. And they started praying over her and they started moving in her. And the Lord spoke to her, if you weren't here, no one would hear the gospel. You're the translator. You're the only one that knows French. You are the voice between the two. If you aren't here people don't, they're not going to hear the gospel. So that is a form of spiritual warfare. Someone trying to get her to quit what God had already spoke for her to do and using her insecurities to do it and using her doubt to do it. That is one way. Uh, another way spiritual warfare can manifest is physically or mental illness. I'm telling y'all, I am telling y'all, uh, from the moment that God called me 
anytime I step out into what I know I'm called to do, I get sick. Ever since we, we launched City Point Church, oh my goodness, I have been, uh, I've had stomach issues. I've had some weird things happen to me physically. I mean, it, it, to the point where I had to get my toenails taken off. It was we. It's weird. Okay, it is so weird. And I was reading in my journal from 2012 where I was preaching a a series to our youth ministry. And it was a pretty big series because it was on what teenagers deal with today that distract them and what the enemy uses most to to put them down. And it was on relationships and and their relationships with God, their relationships with one another and their identity and all these things. And I just happened to see it the other day, 2012. And I was like, in the journal, I was like, I don't know what God is doing, but I want to tell you, I got an ear infection. And I was like, and from the antibiotics, I got another infection. And then I got a toothache that led me to uh, um, an emergency surgery to take my wisdom teeth out. And then from those antibiotics, I got another infection. And in there, I was like, it's been five weeks of torture that I have been dealing with. But I knew not to quit. I knew I had to push through because I knew it wasn't about being sick. I knew it was about something stopping me from sharing what God had for freedom. Sometimes it can manifest in temptation. Hey, I think it's, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think it's incredibly coincidental that as soon as Jesus was baptized and the audible voice of God said, this is my son whom I am well pleased, that the next moment was that Satan came and tempted him. As soon as God spoke out, this was the beginning of his ministry. It was the first time that it had been spoken out in public. And then Satan tempts him. But there's something to remember about spiritual warfare. This is not a conflict with other people. Ephesians 6, Paul says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So this isn't nation against nation. This isn't you against your neighbor. This isn't you against your boss or your coworker. It's not you against your family. It's not you against anything. It is not human-centered. It is centered around the spiritual realm that has influence over thoughts and values of a culture. And so when we begin to understand this, it's important for us to understand this so we don't pick people. And we don't start to pick at people. It's not people. God loves people. We say it all the time. God, people are the most important thing on earth. They're the only thing with eternal value. How we treat them and what we do matters to God. God loves people. But it is a power that persuades people to think through a demonic filter if that makes sense. And so they're using this, they are, they're viewing things from a different filter. And so we need to learn to engage in the right war because the mark of the gospel is liberty, not conformity. So the point is that we become, uh, they become like get liberty in this, that they start to become thinking through a biblical filter and not a demonic filter. All right, so how do we do this? How do we engage? How do we win? Well, um, I'm going to tell you something super profound, um, and it's going to blow your mind. 
And um, I told John earlier his mind would be blown today, so I hope it is. Anyway, so um, uh, obedience is the answer. That's the answer. And you go, okay, well, how, what does that look like? Well, I'm going to tell you. Stories in the Old Testament, New Testament, all these stories, sometimes we can look at them and go, what does this mean? Like, this is a weird story to tell, right? But everything that is put in the Bible is to show us how God works. It's how he worked then. It's how he works now. It's how he's moving. And so get this, Gideon, right? Cool guy, all right? In Judges 6 and 7, God calls Gideon to save the nation of Israel, to help them, all right? To be the judge, to, to, to lead them to victory. Of course, this is a moment where the heavenly messenger came. But of course, Gideon's like, why? I'm like terrible. Why would you use me, right? And he's like, no, I'm going to use you. And so Gideon gathers the people around, and he's like, yeah, we're going to go to war. God's going to give us the victory. He gathers 22,000 warriors. And that wasn't enough. Like, they had way more warriors, but he gathers all that he can, 22,000 warriors, and the Lord tells him, you have too many people. Okay, all right, that's, that makes sense, you know. The math ain't mathing, God. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, all right. God tells him too many people, and then he begins to give him a series of process of elimination, how to get these people down. He dwindles down the warriors to 300 people. 300 people. And Gideon does it. Why? Because he was being obedient. It didn't make sense. He didn't know why. He just did it because God said to do it. And he did it. And he went to battle, and they surrounded the enemy's camp, and they all blew horns at the same time and broke jars and cried out for the eternal and Gideon. And this is what happened in Judges 7. It says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the eternal set, or God, however you want to put it, set the Midianites fighting against each other with their swords. I don't understand it, God. I don't see what you're doing. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I may never have to raise a sword at all. They might just kill each other. Isn't that insane? All right. Y'all are not with me. Everybody's like, I hate this message. All right. Everybody's like, why is she talking about this? All right. God's form of warfare is different. Sometimes it doesn't make sense but it's effective. When Jesus is asked what are the two greatest commandments out of all the commandments, he quotes Deuteronomy and he says this, love the God, love your Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is nearly as important, love your neighbor as yourself. You go, that's a weird verse to put. Okay, this is our obedience. This is the greatest and the second greatest commandments that God has given us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love the Lord God with your heart? This is our physical response to God. This is our physical outward expression of God's greatness. It's worship. It's praise. Worship is a weapon in spiritual warfare. 
It doesn't make sense to me that you would send out the worshipers first in a battle. They, what skill do they have other than singing and playing instruments? They have no weapons. I mean, I could see it if they were like really bad and you were just like, mm, let's send them out. <laughs> Let the enemy take care of them, you know, let's go. But God did that. He did that um, in Second Chronicles. King Jehoshaphat, he faced a mighty army. And God sent a prophet to him and said, do not be afraid. Now, if God says, do not be afraid, don't you think there's a reason for you to be afraid in that moment? Or he wouldn't say it, right? I heard a pastor preach uh, this statement right here, and it has wrecked me for a long time. But it says, um, the way God resources his people is through his words. So if God says, do not be afraid, he is literally through his words giving you the ability to not be afraid. Is that not crazy? And so he's resourcing Jehoshaphat right now. And he says, and Jehoshaphat says this. Oh, I need to say it again. I didn't put it on the notes. Let me say it one more time. The way, it wasn't mine. So I was like, mm, do they? I'm just kidding. The way God resources his people is through his words. So if God says, do not be afraid, then in those words is the capacity to not be afraid. So 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat says this. Listen to me. Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Trust in the eternal one, your true God, not in your own abilities, and you will be supported. Put your trust in his words so that you, that you heard through the prophets, and we will succeed. Having addressed his people, Jehoshaphat asked those who sang to the eternal to lead the army and praise his magnificence and holiness. And the chorus saying, give thanks to the eternal because of his loyal love is forever. As they sang and praised, the eternal was ready to cause a great confusion in battle for the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come to attack Judah. They were utterly defeated, turning on one another. It doesn't make sense to go into battle to me to send the worshipers first. And it's not that when we lift up our voices to God, he's so egotistical that when you do that, then he'll move. But there's something when uh, our connection, or there's something in the connection of the unseen when uh, the nature of God connects with the confession of his people and the declaration of his people. And they go into battle praising God, lifting up his magnificent and holiness, the beauty of his holiness. And they're worshiping God, and they don't have to lift a finger. The army just turned on themselves again. It says this in Isaiah 42. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero and he will come out like a warrior full of fury he will shout his battle cry and crush all his enemies some translations say that God will become like a man of war sing out your praises to him you feel like you're stuck you feel like you're going through it it doesn't make sense stop lift up his 
holiness, lift up his greatness, worship him, and watch as you take what is natural in you and you extend it up into the supernatural and watch what God does to your enemies. Because he will move. We sing a song, Raise a Hallelujah, and it says, my weapon is a melody. And I think sometimes I'm like, do people, in, are the people in here, do they know what that means? Do, are they standing before God in the presence going, you know what, God, my weapon is a melody because I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care that I've been depressed. I don't care that everyone hates me. I don't care that this is going on. I don't care that I can't get over this physical sickness. I don't care anything. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to watch as you trample and confuse my enemies. So our heart, love the Lord God with all our heart. Love the Lord God with all our soul. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. He says this. For though we walk in the world, we do not fight according to the world's rules of warfare. The weapons of war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. We are demolishing arguments and ideas and every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We're taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and we're subduing them into the obedience to the anointed one. I mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record Jesus' baptism to temptation. Jesus comes. Now, throughout history in the Bible, the enemy was constantly looking for the prophesied one that would come. Satan's not all-knowing, but he's been in the throne room, so he knows things, but he doesn't know all things. This is why he killed, mighty, he killed all the children in Moses' day, and he's kill, he killed all these people, and he was constantly looking himself for the one. And then here comes, nothing is recorded. I mean, there's, sorry, I take back what I was about to say because that was not what I was meaning to say. When Jesus was born, it went out all over. The Messiah has been born. This was prophecy. This was people. Herod killed all the boys trying to kill. But when Jesus came to John the Baptist, and he was baptized. It says that when he came out from the water, it said that the heavens split open, the Spirit of God came down like a dove, and then God himself audibly said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And he called out his calling, and he stated in front of everyone who this man was. He was not just a man. He was not another prophet. This one was God himself manifested on earth. And now everyone there has heard it. And immediately as God speaks that and Jesus tries to launch, starts to launch himself into his ministry, Satan himself comes to him. And not only does he come to him, he takes the very words that God said to him and use them against him. 
two in his temptations, he says, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are. One translation says, since you are, since you are the son of God, throw yourself off because the scriptures say that he'll give his angels charge over thee. How many times when God speaks a word to us and he begins to call us out and he begins to say, this is what I've called for you. This is what I'm speaking over you. I'm about to use you. I'm about to move in you and you're about to make a difference. Does the enemy itself the very next day come to you and say what he said was wrong? If you're really gonna be used, you wouldn't have yelled at your kids. If you were really someone that God wanted to use, you wouldn't have these thoughts of depression or anxiety. If you were really good enough, if you really were worthy, then put in the blank. And he'll use the very words that God spoke to you and use them against you. And it's spiritual warfare. So what does the scripture say? It says, take every thought, every emotion captive. Don't just take it captive, but make it obedient to the anointed one. This would be like, and I'm going to use it because we're experiencing this right now. This would be as if Israel caught a Hamas terrorist, made them a prisoner of war, and then they took that prisoner of war and used them in battle as their greatest warrior. It is you take those thoughts and those emotions that the enemy is trying to destroy you with, you take them captive, and then you twist them to the obedience of what God has said, and you use them. You use them. I say it all the time. I feel disqualified from my calling because I have mind games that says I'm not good enough. Lord, I don't feel like I'm good enough, but you know what? You know what I'm going to do? And you know what? I may not in my own mind be good enough, but you said I was good enough, and you told me to. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to study more, and I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to be in your spirit more, and I'm going to listen more, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to go against, and I'm going to take away those thoughts of discouragement. I'm going to take them captive, and I'm going to use them to be my greatest warrior. Does that make sense? Does that work for you guys? Our heart, our soul, and our mind. Prayer is a weapon of spiritual warfare. After Paul talks in Ephesians 6 about how we don't war against flesh and blood, he gives us a couple You know, he talks about the armor of God. We've done a series on that. I mean, if y'all want to take a look at that, that's fine. Those are all defensive things. But then he gives an offensive weapon. He says this in Ephesians 6. Pray always. Pray in the spirit. Pray about everything in every way you know. And keeping this in mind, pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying Fervishly, I can't say that for some reason right now. And be on the lookout until evil has been stayed. Pray always. First, Paul says, pray in the spirit. 
Jason talked about that last week. If you have questions about that or you want to listen to that, talk about that. Or you can listen to that. If you have questions, ask him. But he says, first of all, pray in the spirit. You don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm. You can't see it. But when you pray in the spirit, you pray the perfect will of God. And so the spirit that does know what's going on in the spiritual realm can pray the perfect thing there. But then he goes on and he says, but pray about everything in every way you know how. That means your brain. Use your brain and your intellect to articulate God's greatness and God's goodness and what you know of him. And in every situation, speak that out and pray that. It's so crazy because uh, in Daniel 10, God had given Daniel the ability to see some crazy uh, prophetic visions. And one perplexed him greatly. And he began to pray, God, what does this mean for the future of my people? What does this mean? What does this mean? And it says that he prayed and he fasted for three weeks. He just kept going. He kept praying. He kept fasting. And then a heavenly messenger comes before him in physical form and says, Daniel, get up. I want to let you know that the moment you prayed, I was sent out on your behalf. But I was held up by the prince of Persia for 21 days. And he's not talking about a physical prince of Persia. He's talking about a prince in the demonic realm was stopping him. This is a true story. It's in the Bible. Read it. He says, for 21 days we fought. Michael had to come and help me so that I could get to you because the Lord does want to reveal these things. And this is why I think it's important when Paul says, keep praying. You don't know what is happening in the spiritual when you pray. Oh, man, I prayed for God to heal me, but he didn't heal me right away. Something must be wrong with me, or God doesn't like me, or he doesn't want to heal, or maybe he doesn't heal. Nope. God wants you to be healed. We pray, we sang that. You heal because you love. God wants you to be healed, but you don't know what started in the spiritual realm when you got on and asked for God to move in your life. You don't know what kind of enemy is like, nah, bro, I'm going to fight against this. Because I know that if they continue to struggle, I can stop them from doing what God spoke over them to do. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Pray in the spirit and pray with your brain. And last but not least, because we are running out of time. Another war weapon for spiritual warfare and this one's crazy, is love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) I love Luke 6 says this, keep loving your enemies no matter what they do. Keep doing good to those who hate you and keep speaking blessings on those who curse you. Keep praying for those who mistreat you. And verse 31 says this, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. When we can separate that this war isn't against people, we can fight a a battle that tries to convince you otherwise. If we want to stop unforgiveness, 
and bitterness and anger and slander and jealousy. Things that we know that the scripture has told us to get rid of. If we want to stop those, then we have to understand that our battle is not against people. And so we can hold on to those things that the Bible tells us to get rid of, which is going to give us destruction and discouragement. It's going to keep us down. Or we can bless those who curse us. It is really hard to be mad at someone that you're praying blessings over. It is so hard to have unforgiveness when you go, Lord, I want, you know, turn, turn, give them favor. Bless their family. I pray that their kids grow up as uh, men and women of God. When you begin to do that, you diffuse the enemy from keeping you bound in the things that the scripture is telling you to be free from. Because like I said, again, our battle is not against people. It's against a realm that is controlling the thoughts of our culture. And so sometimes, yeah, it is people who are being used to speak these things. But God loves that person. God is for that person. I want us to, uh, I'm going to have Brianna and Jocelyn come up. And uh, I want to close with this. Um, Here's the truth is. The war is not God versus Satan. That's not a a, a matched fight, Okay. That's not a matched fight at all. I mean, God is ultimately supreme. There's, that's just not even a question. The ability to defeat darkness, it's like Michael and Satan. Those are, those are equals, okay? Those are equal beings created by God. The ability to defeat darkness was in mankind. And when sin took over, Jesus came and was that victory. We are not victims of anything. We're victorious. However, we have to, even though the war may be won in our uh, ultimate life, we have to fight these battles every day. Because we're, we were meant to be more than complacent Oh, I'm just going to make it to heaven, Christians. I don't know about you, but I want to do something significant with my life for God. It yearns me to want to do whatever His will is for my life. But I know that each day I have to go, you know what? My fight is not against flesh and blood. And they're out there. Um, here we sing um, we sing a song we sang it last week and one of the lyrics is my weapon is praise and thanksgiving and this is how I fight my battles I was reminded of a, of a, of a scripture or a story in the Bible where uh, Elisha like really made some people mad you know uh, God was using them and they were like, how do we, who's, there's a traitor amongst us. 
how does how does the enemy always know where we're going to be and where we're going to go? And they're like, oh, what? there's not a traitor. There's just a prophet out there, and God keeps telling him everything. And so he's messing up, you know, whatever. So, I mean, you mess up someone's war plans, you know, they're not going to be very happy with you. So the enemy goes out to find Elisha and, the, and to stop him as any means possible, if you know what I mean. Elisha's servant wakes up, looks outside, runs in to Elisha and says, we're surrounded. The armies were all around them, completely surrounding them. And Elisha began to pray and he said, God, open up his eyes to see the heavenly realms. Open up his eyes to see what I see. And the servant looked up and it says all over the hilltops were horses and chariots of fire. So, today, yesterday, this past week, this upcoming week, when it feels like you are surrounded, I pray that God will open up your eyes to see that his armies, his armies have you. Do me a favor, will you stand to your feet for a minute? today am I the only one in this room who wants victory today I'm gonna pray over you and as I am praying I am praying that the Holy Spirit is meeting you where you are but then I want you to lift up your war cry I want you to lift up and I want you to stand and I want you to fight for those things that God has spoken over you. I want you to fight for your children. I want you to fight for your coworkers. I want you to fight for your calling. I was listening to a, a preacher preach, a pastor preach, whatever you wanna call it. And God spoke something to him in the middle of the night 20 years ago and I can't let it go. And he said, if you watch me, I'll watch your watch. And what does that mean? What is your watch? Your watch is the things that you're responsible for. Your life, your children, your spouse, your business, whatever it is. If you watch me, I'll watch all of those things. I'll take care of those things. So will y'all do me a favor? Can we make the enemy a little mad today? Can you lift up your voices? Can we give praise and thanksgiving and can we storm the heavenlies in victory today? Can y'all sing this with us as I pray?